The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Galatians chapter number six is where we will begin for our scripture reading. Before we dive into this, let me ask you a quick question. How many of you have ever uh, attempted to plant a garden before? Raise your hand. You've maybe been there, attempted to plant a garden. All right. Uh, attempted is the key word there. Uh, let me ask another question. How many of you have actually been successful at planting a garden? Raise your hand. Okay, a couple, a few less hands have been successful at it uh, than the ones that have attempted it. I, I remember the first time I was kind of exposed to this concept of gardening, uh, this idea of planting a seed and, and being able to reap a harvest. Uh, I was about six or seven years old and my parents had just purchased a home. There was uh, on the side of the house a, a dirt area with a dog kennel and the previous owner had had some dogs. I remember my dad uh, went out there and uh, he began to kind of till up the soil a little bit, kind of get the dirt all tilled up. And uh, then he, he went and bought some seeds. And I remember uh, the one I was excited to see grow were the watermelon. And I remember thinking to myself, how is this little seed, you know, I'm just six years old, how is this little seed going to turn into a watermelon that's filled with these little seeds? I mean, just as a six-year-old, my mind was like blown, you know, this is, this is awesome. And, and I remember, sure enough, we started to plant those different seeds. I, I think uh, we planted some corn corn, uh, planted some watermelon. There were a few other things that, that we planted. And, and I remember every morning, you know, running outside because I wanted to see, you know, how our garden was coming along. And I'd run out there and I'd look. And, and for a few days, honestly, nothing happened. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself as a six-year-old, uh, my dad was lying to me. This whole thing doesn't work. It's a scam, you know. And, but sure enough, a week went by, a couple weeks went by. And before I knew it, there was these, these little just kind of plants that would come out of the soil. And I'm thinking, well, that's no watermelon, but it's something. And a few more weeks went by, and before long, we actually had some fruits and some vegetables there that were starting to grow in our little garden. And I remember that day when we got to take one of those watermelons, we cut it in half, I got to eat a watermelon full of watermelon seeds that had all come from just some seeds. And I remember just my mind being absolutely blown by this concept that as you sow a seed, you can actually reap a harvest. Our theme for this morning's message is simply this. What you sow is what you reap. What you sow is what you reap. We're currently in a sermon series entitled Taking Inventory. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been stepping back and we've been taking inventory of our biblical worldview of finances and money. Uh, we're really asking ourselves as believers, as Christians, how is it that we are supposed to perceive money? How is it that we look at it? How is it that we interpret what it means and the value it has in our lives? And we've really been taking inventory of this particular concept. And so we're going to continue that today. And before we dive into this specific sermon on the subject of sowing and reaping, I do want to give a caveat, all right? This is going to be a little different than some of the other messages in this series, and, and this is specifically how it's different. We look at all the references that deal with this concept of sowing and reaping, much like what we're going to see this morning. What we're going to find out is that this law, we might say, of sowing and reaping, it is not necessarily a spiritual law, all right? And you say, what do you mean by that? It's not a spiritual law. This is not necessarily a uh, spiritual law in the way that some other of our passages have been. Uh, a moment ago, Hunter got up here and he read to us from Ephesians chapter number one. In that passage, it specifically says to believers, those who are placing their faith in Jesus Christ, that we as believers, those of us who are saved, have actually been given all spiritual blessings in Christ. 
So for the believer, we've already been given everything that we need for both life and godliness in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, what we are talking about today is that this idea of sowing and reaping, it is not necessarily a purely spiritual thing. It is very much a physical, natural, material principle in the world in which we live. And what I mean by that is a Christian farmer or a non-Christian farmer can plant corn seed and both of them can reap a harvest regardless of whether or not they believe in Jesus, all right? Does that make sense, okay? It's, it's a universal law, much like the law of gravity. Um, if you go to a tall building in Fresno and you step off that tall building, um, there is a law. It is called the law of gravity. What is that law basically going to cause you to do as you step off that building? Yeah, you're going to fall, right? It's a, it's a physical, universal, natural, materialistic law in the universe in which we live. And it doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. One thing's going to happen. You're falling, all right? That's just, that's just what's going to happen. It's a universal law. This law of sowing and reaping, it's very important for us to understand. This is not necessarily a spiritual a principle. It's not necessarily like this esoteric type thing. It really is just a physical, natural, universal law that applies to believers and unbelievers, the saved and the unsaved. And in that regards, it is a little bit different than some of the other principles that we have been talking about. And, and the reason I think it's important to notate this is because there are sometimes a Christian will come along and, and they'll be like, I don't understand. I believe in Jesus, I, and I read the Bible, you know, da, 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 da. I don't understand how somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus, how is it that they're experiencing, quote, unquote, blessings financially, and they don't even believe in God? It confuses them. They're frustrated by it. I believe in Jesus. I, believe, I go to church. I read the Bible. I don't understand. How can somebody who doesn't, how do they get blessed financially? And here I am, and I don't. Here's why. Because when it comes to the principles of sowing and reaping, these principles apply exactly the same to the saved, the unsaved. If you're here today and you're not a Jesus follower, kind of a lot of what we're going to talk about today kind of applies to you. Right? Regardless of whether you believe in God or not. In fact, some of what we're talking about today applies to atheists. Because it's just a universe. Just like if I were to stand up and talk about gravity... It applies to Christians and non-Christians, and this principle does as well. At the end of the sermon, I'm going to tie this together and kind of tell you why it was so important for us to unpack it in that particular way. And so today we're going to be talking specifically about this idea of the principles of sowing and reaping. Uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter number 6. We'll use that as a springboard, and then we'll look at several passages uh, throughout the New Testament that really speak to this reality of as we sow, we also reap. Now, if you're visiting with us today, you are our honored guest. Thank you so much for joining us here in the second service. Uh, we had an awesome time at 9.30. Looking forward to what God's going to do here uh, at our 11 o'clock service. Inside your service program that you should have received on your way in, uh, there's something that we call a connection card. We'd love for you to take the opportunity to fill that out. We'd uh, enjoy getting you some more information about our church and uh, give you the opportunity to ask any questions that you have about our ministries. Uh, for our members and regular attenders, you'll have an opportunity to follow Follow along in our Bible study guide that's there in your service program. And I'm looking forward to just studying this concept a little bit together today. Galatians chapter number 6. If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our passage this morning. Galatians chapter number 6. We'll read verse 7 and then later on in the Bible study we'll get down to verse 9 and some of the other verses in this passage. 
Real quickly, the Bible says in Galatians chapter number 6, verse number 7, it says, Be not deceived, all right? Don't fall under an illusion, all right? What are we not to be deceived of? God is not mocked. Notice this. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That shall he also reap. I want to speak on this subject of the principles of sowing and reaping. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into our Bible study this morning. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we love you. And Lord, we're thankful that you in your uh, loving benevolence and grace has given us wisdom in your word. Uh, wisdom that helps us to navigate the world that you created and the world that you sustained. Just like you created gravity and gravity works in certain realms, you've also given us other uh, laws. You've given us other principles by which the world operates. And Lord, through your word, you give us wisdom on how to navigate those principles. And so I pray that in a spirit of wisdom, you would allow us to navigate this principle in a way that first and foremost would honor you, but in a way that we could experience all the riches of just what it means to live on this planet in a way that's effective and efficient and bringing glory and honor to your name. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. All right, as we dive into it, this morning I'd like to share with you, uh, in a spirit of wisdom, four realities. There are going to be four statements that I'm going to give you in regards to this idea of sowing and reaping as it is given to us in the scriptures, all right? So hopefully this will help us kind of understand this principle more practically today. Number one, if you're taking notes, jot this down. It'll also be on the screens. Number one, we reap the same kind that we sow. We reap the same kind that we sow. Uh, imagine if I were to go down to some hardware store or if I were to go to some nursery that sold bushes and plants and flowers and I were to go to that place and I were to purchase a packet of seeds. How many of you have seen maybe a, a packet of seeds, a little paper packet, it's got some seeds in there. And what about if I were to pick out a packet of seeds and I looked at this packet and I, I found a packet of uh, say watermelon. I thought, man, this is great. It's some watermelon seeds. I take those watermelon seeds. I take them to my backyard. I plant them and then after I've planted them, I begin to pray to God. And I say, God, I'd, I'd really like me some strawberries. Could you take those seeds and turn them into strawberries? How many of you recognize that at the end of the day, we can pray all we want for strawberries, but what's probably going to grow there? Watermelon. You say, why is that? Because we reap the same kind that we sow. Now, let me give you some scripture principles that allude to this reality. Luke chapter number 6 talks about this a little bit. And I want you to see the connection. It says, judge not, and ye shall not be judged. All right? So it's making a connection here that if you judge not, if you sow not judging, then you're going to tend to reap that. It goes on to say, condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. It goes on to say, forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. It's, it's teaching that we reap in similarity to that which we sow. You go to the next verse and it starts speaking to this concept in a financial way. It goes on to say, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet, the same measure you give, with all it shall be measured to you again. And so in this passage, we get a clear understanding that what we reap, we tend to reap in the same kind that we sow. All right? This is just the way 
the world works based on the way God ordained it. It's just a universal law. Much like gravity is a universal law, so it is. This is a material, functional, practical law. What we sow, we tend to reap in kind. If we sow watermelon, we're going to get watermelon. If we sow strawberries, we're going to tend to get strawberries. If we sow forgiveness, we tend to experience forgiveness. Why? Because we reap the same kind that we sow. Now, here's where it gets interesting for some of us who live on planet Earth. There might be a person, I'll use a funny illustration here. What if somebody says, you know what? My teeth are starting to get bad. I'm getting some cavities. You know, there's some plaque building up on my teeth. Man, they're starting to get a little dingy and yellow. What if a person were to think to themselves, man, my teeth are kind of getting bad. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a gym membership. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to start bench pressing. I'm going to start doing some curls. I'm going to do some aerobic exercises. And man, I'm really, that's, that's what I'm going to do. How many of you would recognize, yeah, it's probably good to go to the gym. Probably should, you know, exercise a little bit. It's probably good for your health. But how many of you, because you guys are brilliant, brilliant people, how many of you recognize that person's teeth are probably not going to get better? Okay? How many of you understand that? See, if you sow to your muscles, your muscles will reap the benefits. Because you guys are so smart and because you're so brilliant, you have to be to come to a church like this, all right? How many of you, how many of you, what would you do, what would you do if you wanted better teeth? Just talk to me for a moment. What would you do? Brush your teeth. Maybe you'd floss a little bit. Maybe you'd go to the dentist, you know, to get a cleaning. Why? Because if you want better teeth, you have to sew to your teeth. If you want better muscles, you've got to sew to your muscles. Why? Because the universe works in such a way that we reap the same kind that we sow. This happens even in church world. People will be like, man, I'm... I'm kind of struggling financially a little bit, you know, but rather than sowing to their finances, you know what they do? They're like, you know, I'm going to volunteer more of my time. I'm going to go and I'm going to go help these people who are in need and help those people who are in need. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing to do. You should sow your time. You should sow in service. You should sow in that type of way. But I'll say this. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to reap financially if you sow with your time. Why? Because we reap what we sow. We reap in kind that we sow. If we want to experience in this realm physical harvest or a physical reaping, can I say this? We have to sow in the financial realm if we want to experience a financial harvest. That is to say this, we need to take God at his word and say, God, what do you say about finances? And begin to sow those seeds. Why? Because we always reap in kind as we sow. You might be the type of person and you sow a lot of seeds in friendship and you're very kind to people and you're very, you know, just warm and, and you might reap the benefits of better relationships. But you're not necessarily going to reap bigger muscles. Why? Because you reap in the same kind that you sow. And this plays out financially as well. If you want to reap financially, it involves sowing financially. That's, that's, the, that's the deal. If we, were to, if we were to think about this from the realm of a farmer, my, my father-in-law is a farmer. What about if my father-in-law said to himself, you know what, man, I, I, I want to I wanna, I wanna grow a harvest of corn. What kind of seeds would he have to plant? He'd have to plant corn. 
What about if he said, oh, I can't, I don't want to use up all the seed in my barn to fill the whole fields with corn seed. I, I would be, I'd be all out of seed. I can't plant it. No. He understands that the way the world works, the way God ordained the universe to work, is that if he takes that seed, if he sacrifices that seed, if he gives that seed away, what basically happens now is he now creates an environment where he can reap a harvest with that. So one person said it this way. Any fear associated with giving to God's kingdom is irrational. Why? It's on par with a farmer who out of fear of losing his seed refuses to plant his fields. How many of you say that would be very irrational to not plant because you're afraid you'll lose all your seed. No, the farmer recognizes, I plant the seed. Yes, I have to give it up. I have to, I have to release it. But eventually there grows a greater harvest. So principle number one, we reap the same kind that we sow. So let me ask you a question. What area is it that you would like to reap it? What area where you're like in the physical, tangible, material world, you're like, man, I, I'd like to reap better teeth. You can pray all day. Do you know what you probably need to do? Brush your teeth. You'd be like, well, I just want bigger muscles. I want to be more healthy. That's great. You can read your Bible till you're blue in the face. It's probably not going to make you more healthy. You got to sow to your health. All right? Some people are like, man, I just, I, I want to I wanna align with God's principles of finances and financial blessing. That's great. Go serve people till you're blue in the face. That's a good thing to do. But it probably will have very little effect on your financial position. Why? Because you've got to sow to that area. You will always reap in kind to that which you sow. That's the first principle of the law of the harvest. Here's, here's another principle, principle number two. We're going, to be in he, we're going to be in Matthew chapter number 13. Here's principle number two. This is vi just very practical wisdom in the physical material realm in which we live. Principle number two, we reap more than we sow. We reap more than we sow. Matthew chapter number 13 speaks of this. Some, some bring forth 30 and some 60 and some 100-fold. Uh, Hosea chapter number 8 verse 7 uh, kind of highlights this in, in, specifically. It says this. For they that have sown to the wind, they shall reap the whirlwind. It doesn't say if you sow to the wind, you reap wind. It says you sow to the wind, you actually reap a whirlwind. This principle has both negative and positive ramifications to it. And I want you to think through both of them. All right? You will always reap more than you sow. That is, you know, you plant just a little bit of corn seed you're going to reap more corn than you planted. If you plant a little bit of strawberry seeds, you're going to reap more strawberries than the seed that you planted. That is just the way the world works. You reap more than you sow. It's a, it can be a positive thing. I'll say this. It can also be a negative thing. Maybe some of you um, planted some, made some decisions. You made some choices as a teenager, as a young adult. And maybe for some of you, the consequences were much bigger than even the decisions you made. How many of, maybe, don't raise your hand, but think about it in your mind, how many of you have reaped some of the consequences of some of the decisions? You see, this thing goes both ways. It has positive application and negative application. It, it, it can be both, but I will say this, we always tend to reap more than we sow. Here's what makes that interesting. There might be two people in this room, and to be honest, the way you live can be fairly close together. 
let's take this because we're talking about finances. Maybe there's somebody in here, and they're not incredibly generous, but they're a little generous, a little sacrificial, or a little giving. And you got somebody over here who's they're not super stingy, they're not super greedy, they're not super selfish, just a little bit. Okay, so it seems like in the whole scheme of things, this person's just a little bit more generous. This person's just a little bit more stingy. It doesn't seem like they're that different. But because of the law of the harvest, because you reap more than you sow, this person who's a little greedy, a person who's a little stingy, a person who's just a, a little selfish, they're not just going to reap a little. They're going to reap more of that coming back to them. And so th their life ends up here in practical kind of functional living. And the person who's just a little bit generous and a person who's just a little bit, you know, uh, uh, giving and sacrificial, because they reap more, they actually, because of the way God created the universe to work, they, they actually get a little bit more in that realm. And so practically their life looks like it functionally expresses very, very different. Vastly different, even though what they're sowing is not too different, because that's the way the law of sowing and reaping works. There might be some people in here, and financially, you're like, I'm not that much different than those people right there. Then why is our life, why does it functionally seem so different? It's because of this principle. We tend to reap far more than we sow. And a little stinginess and a little selfishness will cause us to reap a lot of just kind of financial tension and frustration. And, and people who are somewhat generous, they're going to reap more of that in kind. And, and they're going to experience more of... What, what sometimes Christians call blessings, that really isn't spiritual blessings as much as just the way God orchestrated the universe to work. All right? And so I want you to understand the difference in this. I remember when Jenny and I were first married, we were uh, at a church, and at this particular season, the church was raising some funds because we were going to help some, some kids, and, and there was just a generation, the next generation coming along, we wanted to invest in, in some kids and some children, and so they were taking up an offering uh, to really just kind of help the next generation kind of grow in their faith. And, and uh, they asked us to just pray about what the Holy Spirit would have us to, to give, to sacrifice, to be a part of that. I remember at that time we had very little. I mean, literally, we were on a shoestring budget. We had very little that we could possibly give away. But I wanted to be, I just wanted to pray about this. I understood some of these principles to some degree. And I was like, Lord, I, I don't want to be guilted into anything. I don't want to just do it for the sake of doing it. But God, what is it that you would, what is it that you'd have me to give? And I remember just kind of pretty clearly, Lord placed on my heart $2,000. And at that time, I was kind of like, okay, it might as well have been like, $20,000 because it just didn't, I mean, 2000 20000 was all just impossible, right? But I just had this strong confidence. This, this, is what, this is what the Spirit's leading me to do in this area. And so what we did is we looked at it and we said, okay, this is when it's due. So what, what we could do is we can break this up into, you know, if we have to do this over the next six months or whatever the case may be, it would be this much per week. And, and I remember just committing to the Lord, Lord, this is what you laid on my heart. This is what we're going to do. And so what we did, and I don't know that this is what everybody should do, but the way the way my wife and I kind of looked at it is we were going to, because this is something God had placed on our heart to do, we actually paid that first. Before we paid our bills, uh, before we, you know, took care of our needs, that's what the Lord did. That was going to go first. That was the priority. Because we understood that these principles of sowing and reaping, that God would honor those things. And so we started doing it. And at first it was like, okay, we're good. Well, after a couple of weeks, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I mean, it started getting tight. Like, because it's not like we had this extra money to give, and so now all of a sudden we're in this situation where we're kind of like, Lord, I mean, I feel like this is what you called us to do. I don't think it was just emotional decision, but uh, God, you got to come through. And I, I remember going to the scriptures where the Bible says in the context of generosity and sacrificial giving that it says, my God shall supply all of your need. 
and, and we weren't living extravagantly at that time. We just need some basic, I mean, just for groceries and to pay our rent, just very basic needs. And so we're like, Lord, we, we started to claim those promises. God, this is what you said. We try, we're trying to live in alignment with, with what your word teaches and, and wisdom principles in regards to sowing and reaping. And I remember it wasn't long later until we got a phone call and I was talking to a family member and someone in our family had come across a, a large sum of money. And they said, hey, we, were just, we, we came across a large sum of money, and uh, one of the things God placed on our heart is to give some of it to you. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. I remember getting the check in the mail for $2,000. And it was like in a subtle way, it was like the, God was just teaching me, you know what? You can trust me. You can trust. You can trust what I teach. You can trust what I say. I will take care of you. And so we reaped, and God allowed us to uh, experience more reaping than even that we sowed. In, in the context to giving, here's a quote. Giving is like the seed put into the soil. The more one sows, the greater the harvest. If you sow a little bit of seed, you're going to reap a little bit of a harvest. You sow, sow more seed, there's more of a harvest. So, statement number one, we reap the same kind that we sow. You want to reap in an area? Ask yourself this question. Am I sowing in that area? All right? Am I sowing in that area? Number two, we reap more than we sow. And yes, this is positive because some of you, you've been sowing kind of, uh, you've been using financial, biblical principles in your finances and when it comes to saving or when it comes to generosity, when it comes to living out the principles of this book. And man, you're, God says, hey, you're going to reap more then you even sow. And that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's kind of encouraging. There's a lot of hope to that. And I've seen that play out in my life where God's allowed me to reap more than I've sown because that's just the way it works. Whether it's financially, whether it's in health, whether it's in relationships, we just tend typically to reap more than we sacrifice, than we sow. There's both positive and negative. The negative is this. You sow a little bit in an area. You might be sowing positive things in every realm of your life, but if there's an area where you are not sowing, guess what? You might reap the negative benefits in that area, even though in all these other areas you're reaping positive benefits. Why? Because we reap in kind as we sow. Let me give you a third statement, a third wisdom principle that aligns with this sowing and reaping thought process. Number three, we usually reap later than we sow. We reap later than we sow. <laughs> Say I were to get a pack of seeds, maybe for some watermelon, and I went out there with my kids, and we planted just a, a row of watermelon. The next morning I came out, and I said, all right, where's my watermelon? And they're like, not there. So I come out the next morning, and I'm looking, and say three days goes by, and there's no watermelon appearing from the seeds that I sow. And what about I say, this is ridiculous. And so I go out, and I dig up all of those seeds, and I say, obviously, watermelon doesn't work. Now I'm going to try to plant strawberries, because watermelon didn't want to grow. So I plant all those strawberry seeds. I come out the next morning, there's no strawberries. I come out the second morning, no strawberries. And so I'm like, forget this. Strawberries don't work. And I dig up all the strawberry seeds, and I'm like, now it's soybeans. You know? Now, who want to plant soybeans? I don't know. But that's, that's, that's another point. Here's what I'm trying to say. If we're not careful, we tend to get this idea uh, that the moment we sow something, we have to reap. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you don't eat healthy for one day and then all of a sudden get back to the same body you had when you were a junior in high school. 
How many of you wish that were the way it said? I mean, I know every, I know every telephone pole in Fresno has a sign that tells you it's possible. <laughs> okay? I don't know how to break this to you. They're lying. All right? You're not going to get the body that you spent 20 years creating back in seven days, you know, from their magic pill. It, you know, why? It doesn't, apply, it doesn't even align with ancient wisdom that God would teach in his word. All right? Why? We reap later than we sow. Here's biblical. Here's what the Bible says, Galatians chapter number 6, verse 9. It says this, be not weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing the right things. Because it says in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Here's the key. It's due season. A lot of us do this in our lives. We plant for a day. We plant for a week. And then we wonder, why am I not getting a harvest? And we quit. And we wonder why our lives never experience a harvest in that realm. It's because you don't give the Lord of the harvest a chance to give you the fruit. It's as simple as that. Because we reap later than we sow. Some, I've, I've had people, this, this happens a lot to pastors in church world. I have, we'll have people come to church for like three weeks. And then like the fourth week, I've, ha I've had this happen so many times, it's hard to even count now. I've been coming to the church for four weeks, and my life's exactly the same way it was, you know, before I ever came to church, so I, it just, obviously it doesn't work. I'm like, you spent 15 years making a mess of your life. <laughs> and in three Sundays, three 30-minute sermons is going to fix all. It just doesn't work that way. Why? Because we always reap later. We always reap in due season as we sow. We reap later. That's why it says don't be weary in it. Don't, don't get tired of planting those seeds. And, and we, could apply this, we could apply this to your health. Just be consistent with your health. We could talk about, you know, your spiritual life. Just be consistent in those spiritual disciplines. We could talk about financially. Just be consistent with following biblical principles of finances. Being consistent in your generosity. Being consistent in your sacrificial living. The reality is, if we're, if we're to just be honest, a lot of us really struggle to be consistent in our generosity. It's like the first thing. And then we wonder, why is it that my finances are always in such a mess? We just, we don't, we're not consistent at this thing for any real length of time. And we try it for a week or we try it for a couple of weeks and we're like, ah, oh, I can't do it. And we quit. It's like, it's like the equivalent of a farmer who's like, I tried it. But then they go out and dig up all the seed and they don't give the, they don't give the Lord of the harvest a chance to really allow them to reap. They, they quit on it before. Why? Because the reality is we reap later than we sow. It says due season. That doesn't even give us a specific time frame. For some things, it might take a week. For some things, it might take a month. For sometimes, it's years. It's just due season. But here's the promise. You will reap if you faint not. These are just wisdom principles. This has nothing to do with being a super awesome Christian. It's not like God looks down and says, these are the better Christians. No, this is just how the world works. Works for non-Christians, Christians, believers, atheists. This is just the, it's the law of the harvest. And this is why there are some non-Christians, and you look at them, and you're like, how are they getting financially blessed? I go to church. I read the Bible. I love Jesus. Why isn't it working for me? Because in that area, they might actually be aligning with God's wisdom better than you are. The scriptures will say that sometimes, you know, the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light. And these are areas where, you know what, there might be some people, and they might not love Jesus, they might not be an atheist, but they kind of get some of this, and they sow. And guess what? The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. 
There are people who maybe, man, they don't go to church, they don't read their Bible, but in some areas they've learned some things about sowing and reaping and aligning with the way God created the universe to work. And they're experiencing some of the benefits of the harvest that maybe you're not experiencing. Why? Because there's an element to we reap the same kind. We reap more than we sow. We reap later than we sow. Here's another one. Let me give you a last one. We reap in proportion to what we sow. We reap in proportion to what we sow. Here's the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 6, specifically in context of finances. This I say. Uh, if you, I would encourage you guys to go and read 2 Corinthians chapter 9 for yourself. The entire passage is about generosity, sacrificial giving, extravagant sacrifice. That's the context of 2 Corinthians 9. Okay? It's the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth, and he's saying, hey, let's be more generous, guys. God's grace is doing so much in our lives. One of the, one of the ways we one of the ways we prove that we're actually experiencing and enjoying it is that there is a marks of just radical generosity. Here's what he says. He says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly, this is, about, this is about finances, it's about giving, it's about generosity, about sacrifice. This I say, he that soweth sparingly, I'll be a little generous. I'll be, I'll just, I'll give, you know, a little bit. Yeah, soweth sparingly, so reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully, and radical generosity, sacrificially giving, he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. That is to say, say my father-in-law decided that, man, he was going to, he had this whole, he said he had 100 acres, and he wanted to get 100 acres of corn, but he only wanted to plant one little packet of seed. <laughs> Will he get more than he plants, yes or no? Yes. But because he's planting sparingly, he's only going to reap sparingly. He'll get more, but it'll still be in proportion to what he planted. What if he says, I'm just going to take all my seed. I'm going to take it all, and I'm going to plant it over this entire, entire property. And he sows bountifully. What will he probably reap? He'll reap bountifully. This applies in our lives, too, and whether it's applying to our health, whether it's applying to our spiritual walk, whether we're applying it uh, to our finances. There are some people, and you know what? You sow sparingly when it comes to living out biblical principles, and I, I don't know what to tell you because I'm not trying to be mean. I want this to help you, but one of, the reasons, one of the reasons why you struggle financially is just honestly, you just don't sow very much to the financial realm. You're not really that. God's grace hasn't done something in your heart that allows you to align with this book. And what it says about being wise, you know, with saving and what it says about how to spend and what it says about generosity. And you've got, all, you've got all these reasons, these limiting beliefs in your mind as to why you're the exception. And you wonder, why is it not working for me? This, here's why. Because we reap in proportion. And if there's an area where you'd like to see a greater harvest, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. You've just got to sow more seed. There were some years ago in, in China, uh, there was some villages, and it was a kind of an area of China where the villagers would grow these potatoes. And history tells us that in this particular village, um, they kind of were starting to think, you know, that what they decided to do is they, they started to take all the big potatoes, and they were going to take all the, the, the larger potatoes, and they ate all of those, and then they took all the smaller potatoes, and they started planting those. And it sounds like a pretty brilliant plan. That sounds great, right? Take the big ones, eat them. Take the little ones, plant them, all right? And so that's what they did. What was interesting in this particular case is uh, 
season after season started going by, guess what started to happen? They stopped getting large potatoes because literally woven within the potatoes, like the DNA or whatever the case may be, after season after season after season, eventually the potatoes started getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and now they literally had no large potatoes to eat. They were only left with the small ones. It's interesting, as believers, sometimes we'll do this will plant financially the little potatoes, the leftovers. So this is what I got left, and we plant it. Uh, that's what I, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's the minimum plant. We, we sow sparingly. And guess what tends to happen over time? Can't explain all the details. We just tend to reap sparingly. We reap sparingly. <laughs> one, one person said it this way. Don't eat all the seed. <laughs> plant some of it. Plant some of it. A farmer doesn't like bite his nails thinking, oh man, if I plant all my seed, it's going to be gone. No. That'd be irrational for a farmer to say that. And it's just as irrational for you to do that in some realm of your life. To be like, if I plant it, it'll be gone. That's just not how the Lord of the harvest works. It's not how God operates. It's not the way he made, just like he made gravity to work a particular way. Sowing and reaping tends to work a particular way. Generally speaking, general wisdom on the way God created the universe to work, generally, this is the way it works. This sow, you reap. You reap the same kind that you sow. That's generally how God created the world to work. You reap more. You reap later. And eventually, you reap in proportion to what you sow. Now, at the beginning of the service, I said... This is really, because this is not a spirit, it's not like God's, it's not like God looks down and spiritually blesses those that gives and he spiritually doesn't bless those that don't. It's, it's not like this spiritual thing. It's just a universal law. It's like gravity. It's just, it's just the way God made the world to work. It's just like the law of thermodynamics. It's just the way it works. And God created the world and this is just part of, the, this is just part of how it works. I can't explain it all. Just like honestly, I'd have a hard time explaining gravity to you if I had to get real technical. I can't even fully explain how this all works. All I know is experientially, it works. That's, that's, what, that's the testimony I can give you. It just, whether it's health, whether it's financially, whether it's spirit, it just, these principles just, I, I, can't, I can't tell you exactly. It just, it just works. Tends, t- generally speaking, over time. It just tends to work. And it works for believers. It works for unbelievers. It's interesting, and, and many of you know that I love to read. I love to read just all different types of books on so many different subjects. And I do occasionally. I will read on the subject of finances. I'll read, okay, you know. And you know what? Honestly, I read Christian authors, and sometimes I'll read secular authors. What's interesting to me is on this subject, when you talk about finances, especially as you read secular authors, people who are not Jesus followers, and you read what they have to say, about financial stewardship, what they, financial management, as they would some, sometimes call it. It's interesting to me, is in most writings, secular writings, non-Christian writings, on the subject of financial management, most people speak of the subject of generosity as being key to financial abundance, regularly. And I'm not talking about Christian people. I'm just talking generally, people who generally have seen this principle played out. Uh, I was reading, and I, I could name several that maybe even you would recognize. I, 
I, was re- kind of, I came across some of you. How many of you have ever heard the name Tony Robbins before? You ever heard that name? He's kind of a life coach, you know, like, rah, rah, rah type individual or whatever the case may be. And I was reading, and he's, re- he's really, he, I mean, these principles. He's not a believer. He doesn't claim to be a Jesus follower, but he definitely understands these principles. And uh, he's, ex- he's definitely come to a place where he, he's experienced the benefits of living in alignment with the way God created the universe in this particular area. Uh, you know, and he's just come to a place, I think right now his net worth is over half a billion dollars, came from nothing to that place. I, he, he tells a story, and rather than just try to tell it, I thought I'd let him tell it to you. Because I want you to see how even, even unbelievers recognize how these principles come to play. Notice what he says. I can tell you that the day that my financial life changed, it came in two parts. I was driving, I'd been working really hard, I was a young man, working on this business that I was in at the time, and I, I, you know, I was working 18 hour days and I was totally broke. I mean like trying to make sure I had enough gas to get from one location to the next. And I just finished like 11.30 at night, I was driving down the 57 freeway in a place called Pomona, California, not a great part of town at that stage, almost midnight. And I was emotional, I just kept thinking to myself, why is it I'm working so hard and I, I'm still not succeeding? And I was mad about it. And I hit this tipping point inside, and I don't even know what triggered it, but I got really emotional. I literally pulled off the side of the freeway, and I've always had these written journals, and I still have the journal to this day, and I wrote in giant letters, the secret to living is giving. And then I started crying. And it was one of those beautiful moments, and it's just like I realized I was so focused on what I was getting, I was not focused on what I was giving enough. And so for about six months, that really emboldened me, and I, and I did really well. And then I had some frustrations, some failures, and. And then I got mad because the people I counted on had not followed through. And, and I found myself totally broke again. I mean, like nothing, like down to 20-something dollars, not knowing how I'm going to feed myself. And I reached out to a friend I loaned $1,000 to, and he kept avoiding my calls. I was madder and madder. Like, I helped him, and he was in need. He won't even give me my money back. And in the midst of all this anger, I had to figure out what to do. So I've always been a pragmatist. So when I was just 17, I was on my own. I used to save the money, go to the smorgasbord on my bike, load up for the winter, eat everything I could so it would last me a day or two, and you know, pay the least amount of money for the most food. So I thought, there's a smorgasbord, but it's, I lived in Venice, California, and there's a place called Marina del Rey, just three miles away, and it's a very wealthy environment. And on the water, there's a place there called El Torito. It's a restaurant. It's still there. And... It's very nice, it's on the water, boat's going by, and they had an all-you-could-eat salad bar, taco, taco bar. So I said, I'm gonna go there. So I didn't spend the money on my car for the gas for the three miles, I'll walk there, I'm not gonna pay for parking. I was monitoring every dime. Total scarcity. And I got there and I loaded up, ate everything I could possibly eat, and while I was sitting there eating, a door opened and a, a very attractive woman came in, and I was waiting to see who her, her boyfriend or husband was gonna be, and there was no boyfriend or husband, there was a kid about this tall, <laughs> And he was dressed in a suit, in a little vest. And he came and he held the door open for his mom. He opened, pulled out the chair and set her down. He was just such a gentleman. And then he stared in his mom's eyes. And he was just, he was just so, I don't know, just so loving, so there, so present. And it moved me. Even my selfish, little stupid place, I just moved by the love he had for his mom, the respect he had for his mom. I don't know what it was. But um, I went and paid the bill. And, you know. I don't know, I had 17, 18, 19 dollars left, whatever it was, I put, put it in my pocket, you know, hang on to what little money I'd left. I think it was like 5.95 for all you can eat in those days or something like that. And, um, and I walked up to this little boy. And I said, hi, and I shook his hand. I said, what's your name? And I don't really remember his name, I think it was Ronnie. He said, I'm Ronnie, I think it was. And I said, Ronnie, I said, you are such a gentleman. I said, I saw you open the door for your lady. I saw you pulled out the chair. I said, you are a class act. And he looked at me, he goes, 
uh, she's my mom. And I said, well, that's even better. He said, I said, well, it's so cool you're taking her to lunch like this. And he goes, oh, well, I can't really take her to lunch. I don't have a job yet. I'm just 11, right? And I said, uh, I said, well, I said, uh, yeah, he's 11. And I, and I said to him, I said, uh, well, yes, you are. You are taking her to lunch. He said, what do you mean? And I just reached in my pocket. I had no plan. There was no strategy. I just grabbed my money in my pocket. And I put it right down the table in front of him, changing all, dollar bills and all. And he looked up, his eyes got really big. I said, you are taking her to lunch. And he said, I can't take that. I said, sure you can. He said, why? I said, because I'm bigger than you are. <laughs> and his eyes got this big and he smiled really big. And I didn't even look at the lady. I just shook his hand and I walked out. And I didn't walk out, I flew out. I had no car. <laughs> I, just like, I, I, was, I must have looked like an idiot. I'm sure I was skipping it to some extent. I was just like purely euphoric at the moment when I should have been the most freaked out. I mean, I just gave away my last dollar. I don't know where my next dollar, I don't have any money. I don't know where's my next meal gonna come from. Zero fear. It was like, I went home that night. I laid out this plan how I was gonna turn things around, but you know, it wasn't gonna turn around in a day or two. It might turn around a week or two. And I thought, well, people fast all the time. I'll go on a fast <laughs> for a week. And I was positive about it. Like, and I woke up the next day and I got my little normal snail mail on those days. And sure enough, there's this handwritten note. I open it up and there's a check inside. It's from the man that owed me $1,000 and not return my phone calls for $1,000 plus some additional money saying, I'm really sorry and you were there for me and I feel bad about it and here it is. What was beautiful about the moment was, you know, I cried honestly and, I, and then I sat there and I looked at this thing and I thought to myself, you know, what does this mean? You know, what, why did this happen? And I don't know if it's true, but I chose to mean that money came because I did the right thing because I didn't operate from scarcity, because I didn't, a little soul was in front of me, my heart knew what was right, and I didn't hesitate, I just did what was right. And um, I can remember to this day so vividly like it was yesterday because that's the day I became a wealthy man. That's the day that scarcity ended in me. And that didn't mean I didn't have more ups and downs financially, I had plenty of those, but I never ever went back to that place of being angry at somebody else who had more, or blaming other people, what I want to do is focus instead on being a blessing in people's lives. That if I could find a way every day to do something to add more value for other people, then I wouldn't have to worry about anything. Just like you don't worry about taking a breath and whether oxygen is going to be there, you don't ask the question, you know it's going to be there. I figured if I left my life that way where I spontaneously did what was right consistently, I wouldn't have to worry and I haven't another day since. That doesn't mean I didn't have stressful times, but I haven't gone back to that place of scarcity. And I really think that's what this book is ultimately about. It gives you all the tools, all the strategies of the richest people on earth, but it's also about making that psychological, emotional, if you want to call it spiritual shift, that really changes the quality of life forever, which makes you wealthy the day you stop being scarce and the, and the way that you give of your heart, your body, your soul, your mind, and your money. I know uh, you can do some research. Tony's given away well, I mean, tens of millions of dollars. He just regularly gives away. Generosity is a huge part of the way he lives. He believes even in a form of tithing and just giving away percentages of his income and has since, you know, he was at that place in his life. You say, why do you bring that up? It's because of this. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11 says in a spirit of wisdom, he says, it says this. They'll put this on the screens and we'll wrap this up. It says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. It's really interesting. That doesn't even make sense. 
you would think if somebody's giving away, they're going to have less and less and less and less. It's just not the way the Lord of the harvest works. It's not the way God operates. It's not the way the universe runs. Just like gravity, you step off, you fall. The way God created the world to work is is a sowing and reaping, give and it shall be given. It says another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. This, this applies to Christians. Some of, there are people in this room, and you've got all the reasons in the world and to justify why you can't give and why you can't be generous and why you can't be sacrificial. And they're good reasons. Like, nobody's blaming you. Nobody's saying you're you know, retarded for not giving. It, they're justifiable. They make sense in the physical realm. But you just don't understand that's not the way God created the universe to operate. And so you wonder, you would think if you're holding on to more, you're going you're gonna to have more, and yet you, that's not been your experience. Because this is the way that God call, created the universe to work, to reap the same kind that we sow, to reap more than we sow, to reap later than we sow, and to reap in proportion to what we sow. John Bunyan, who wrote the book uh, Pilgrim's Progress, and some of you, wanted, other than the Bible, one of the most famous books of all time in the sense it's, it's been published more times than any other book other than the Bible, I believe. And here's what John Bunyan had to say. This was in the, like, the 1650s. He said, a man there was, they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. You see, whether we're talking about Christians or non-Christians, there are those who have figured out a secret. And that there's a way in which the universe works, and it doesn't make sense. I can't logically put it on paper. You can try to follow in your checkbook ledger and try. And there are some people who align with the way the Lord of the harvest operates, and there are people who don't. And whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, it doesn't really matter. The reality, you align with it, and you experience the results of it. You don't, and you experience the consequences of it. And I know for me, I've seen time and time and time again in my own life, this principle played out. And I can't explain it. Just like I could, if you asked me, explain gravity. I'd be like, I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I just have a fall. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to explain it. I can't fully explain the laws of the harvest. I can't fully tell you how it all works. I just, here's what I can say. I can stand before you and say, my experience is it works. And so here's the question for you. Do you believe it or not? That's, it's, do you have faith in the wisdom of God or not? That's just really what it comes down to. It's as simple as that. And you know why the reason a lot of us struggle to be generous and sacrificial in our giving? Well, you don't understand. I got these bills. You don't understand. I got this going on. You don't understand. And you have lots of good reasons. I don't make enough. And I don't know. Here's what it comes down to. You just don't actually believe what we've talked about. That's, that's really what it comes down to. You just you struggle to believe. And I'm not judging you for that. I understand. I get it. There's a lot of things that would lead you to believe that. It's just not the way God created the universe to operate. And so you have an option. You have an opportunity. Do you align with what God teaches in this area or you don't? We're going to end today with a takeaway. This was Robert Louis Stevenson, the famous author. He said this, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. How are we doing at planting? How are we doing at planting? Are we planting? Are we trusting the Lord of the harvest? Do we believe the Lord of the harvest? Very practical, very just, you know, baseline down to earth. But is this something that we're living out? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.
Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.